and in song, Lord, speak to us, Jesus, speak to us. Speak to us through your word. May it change our lives. May it empower us. May it make us better, Lord. And in this service this morning, may you continue to be glorified and your people be edified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, so in John 9, I just want to read one verse as we wrap this up. This is part B of last week's third final part of this mini-series. Here's what Jesus said. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. I wanted to look at a couple things as we close this up. One is the questions that Jesus asked. Jesus always asked profound questions and the purpose of Jesus' questions was always to lead people to greater faith in him. So watch this. In John 11, when Jesus was coming to raise Lazarus from the dead, he asked Martha this amazing question. He said, Martha, do you believe this? Do you believe what? Well, when he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he dead, yet shall he live. Though he was dead, yet shall he live. So Jesus asked Martha this penetrating question, Martha, do you believe this? In other words, Martha, where is your faith? How close to grasping this are you? are you? Are you willing to buy into this? It was a question of trust, a question of faith. Watch this. When Jesus healed the woman that was hemorrhaging uh, blood for 12 years, remember that lady in Mark 5? Jesus asked, knowing what happened, he, had, he said, who touched my clothes? The Lord knew who touched him, but he wanted her to step forth because by saying it publicly, that was a proclamation of her faith and it would boost others' faith around him. Once again, Jesus' questions was about building faith and confidence in him. Here's another quick one. When Jesus was dealing with the man at the pool, I think Rod or someone alluded to this. I think it was uh, someone else said about him. I think it was Sister Annie. He said, uh, would you like to get well? Of course, Jesus knew the answer was almost rhetorical. Who have been suffering from a disease for 38 years wouldn't like to get well? When I have a headache for 38 minutes, I want to get better. Immediately, 38 minutes ago. So, of course, he wanted that. He knew that was the answer, but he wanted the man to say it. There's something about saying it in faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You got to say it. You got to believe it. It's not, the Lord doesn't base his healing and his work in our lives on effort or on desire. He bases it on faith. God works with faith. God works with trust. Amen. Here's another one. Jesus told this guy right here in this story in John 9. He said, do you believe in the son of man? That's John 9, 35. He said, do you believe in the Son of Man? He asked the guy that was paralyzed over Matthew 9, that was paralyzed from birth. He said, what's easier to say? Listen, guys, what's easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or get up and take your bed and walk. What's easier? For Jesus, it was an academic question because they're both easy, right? The questions he asked were designed to generate faith. The questions the disciples were asking was designed to generate strife or superiority. Who did sin, this man or his parents? A question they asked over in Luke chapter, I think it was Luke chapter 13, when the tower fell on the people and killed them, kind of like a 9-11 incident, smaller scale, 
but same principle. The tower failed and killed 18 people. But they asked him, they asked Jesus, why did this tower fall on these people? Were they more sinful than other people that are in Jerusalem? And Jesus said, of course not. The tower didn't fall on these 18 people because they were worse than you guys. He was basically saying, y'all are just as big a sinners as they are. <laughs> Only reason the tower didn't fall on you is that you weren't in Jerusalem at the time. No, that's not what he said. What he said was that you need to repent lest something like this happens to you or lest you perish too were his exact words. In other words, he was saying, don't ask questions that make yourself look good at the expense of others. Don't try to judge people. Don't try to put people in a situation that makes their lot bad. Find ways, ask questions, make statements, guys, that build faith, that boost confidence, that help people to feel better about themselves and about their relationship with the Lord. Amen? So the Lord gave this guy, I'm, I'm going to close with this. He gave him four powerful action verbs. Verbs are words of action, words that involve activity. The first thing he said was go. Go is a directive. Go means don't stand still. Go means leave where you are. Go means get out of your comfort zone. Go means move forward. Go means start doing something. You see what, he, see what I'm saying? Jesus is always about action. He's not about stability, about passivity. He's not about being set in our ways. He's not about stationary status. He is about moving forward. Go, move. As long as you have life, ladies and gentlemen, those of you on Zoom, as long as you have life, keep moving, keep working, keep growing, keep serving, keep giving, keep helping. Don't ever stop. Amen. He said, go. Jesus could have healed the man instantaneously. I talked about it last week. Ex, ex nihilo, that's the Latin word for instantaneous or right now or something out of nothing. Or the word, the, the, the Italian word that we have in our language that we use fiat. It means immediate, instantaneous healing. He could have done that. He didn't have to send the guy to the pool. He sent the guy to the pool, I believe, to see if the guy would be obedient, if he would do it. If he was willing to buy into the miracle. Are you willing to participate in what I'm doing in your life? God gives us the opportunity to decline or to participate. The guy decided to participate. Good for him because he was blind. Now he can see. Amen. So he gave him four action verbs. Go or he was sent. And the next one he said, wash. If you look at the verse, uh, look, if you look at John 9, 7, it says, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. And so he went and washed and came back seen. So the first verb was go. The second word, well, I said wash, but actually the second one was sent. That's the name of the pool. It was called sent. Uh, that, at least that's how the word is described. Uh, and it's translated sent in English. And here's, here's a verse that relates to that in 2 Kings 5, 10. Watch this. Elijah sent a messenger to Naaman, the guy who had leprosy. He said, go and wash. Almost the same words, right? He said, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and you'll be healed of his leprosy. 
He didn't have to do it. He didn't have to do it, but he did it. And as a result of doing it, he was healed of what is considered a death sentence, which is leprosy. It's like fourth stage cancer today. It was just incurable. It was irreversible. There was no known treatment for it. And this guy could have, he barked back. He said, wow, I could have dipped in the rivers in Syria. Weren't they cleaner and pure and better than these here in Israel, the nasty Jordan? Are you kidding me? And his servant said to him, dude, had he asked you something hard to do, you would have done that, right? Had he said, go and you know, kill 16 cows, you would have done it, and you would have done it gladly. Had he said, raid some Philistine village, you would have gladly participated. But no, he said, do something simple, like dip in this Jordan River seven times. When he did it, the guys, the Bible said, not only did God heal him of leprosy, but his skin was so pure as like that of a baby. When God does something, he does exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think. He does the amazing. He doesn't do the basic. He doesn't just meet the minimum standard. God always exceeds our expectations. He does for us in an amazing way. I love what it says over here in Deuteronomy chapter 1. It says, that if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord, being careful to do all his commandments that I commanded you today, all these blessings, guys, all these blessings shall come upon you. What blessings, Pastor Will? Well, here's a few of them. You shall be blessed. You, you shall be blessed. Um, if you obey the voice, you shall be blessed when you come in the city. You shall be blessed when you're in the field. You shall be blessed when you come in and go out. You shall be blessed when you walk, when you sit. You shall be blessed in all the things you do. And Deuteronomy just goes, I won't read all of them. But if you read Deuteronomy chapter 28, he provides all these blessings that accompany obedience. You all still with me? Obedience brings about blessings. So he said, go, action verb number one, sent action verb number two, and watch this one. Number three said, wash. Here's the responsibility that we have. We have a responsibility to be clean and pure before the Lord. He said, wash. And in this particular case, guys, it was washing in water. In our particular case, it's washing by the word. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26 says that he might sanctify her, her be us, the church. How? Having cleansed us by the washing of the water with the word. We are washed with the word. That's what makes us clean. That's what allows us to see. So he says, go, go where? Go to wherever the Lord directs us. What do we do? We go where we're sent. And we do what he says, which is wash. That is, be washed in the word of God. That is, letting the word clean us, purify us, sanctify us for his purpose. And then lastly, when we wash, this, this is what's so beautiful about this text. There's always a reward connected with obedience. There's two things connected to obedience. There is punishment when we're disobedient. And there is a reward when we are obedient. And when we are obedient to the Lord, he always rewards us. The Bible says that in 2 Kings chapter 6, when Naaman went and actually did what the Lord asked him to do, the Bible says that his leprosy evaporated and he had pure, clear, perfect skin. The servant that was with Elisha with an S there in 2 Kings chapter 6 could not see what God was doing. His eyes were spiritually blinded. So watch this as I close. Watch this. This is really amazing. 
The Lord prayed and said, Lord, Elijah prayed rather and said, Lord, will you open the eyes of my servant? Now, listen, he wasn't asking him to open his physical eyes because the dude could already see. The problem is he couldn't see what he needed to see. He saw himself in his house being surrounded by enemy troops that were ready to pounce on him and destroy them. There were armament, there were spears and swords and horsemen, and they were ready to absolutely attack Elisha and his servant and level the house and destroy the occupants. That's what the servant saw when he looked out the window. Back in our story in John chapter 9, the blind man couldn't see anything because he was blind from birth. He had basically what's, what's called, he had permanent blindness. He had blindness that had no light availability at all in his eyes. This was, this was done prenatally and there was no hope for him to see. It wasn't like he had been able to see and lost his sight, maybe due to diabetes or nutritional blindness or some sort of industrial accident. None of that happened, guys. This guy would have never seen anything. Here's what the Lord did in his case. He washed in the pool of Siloam and he could see. In the case of the Lord's, Elisha's servant, Elisha prayed and said, Lord, open his eyes. So here's the lesson for us. We can pray for one another, Lord, open our eyes that we can see what you're doing, that we can see that our enemies are surrounded by chariot fire who will destroy them. Our enemies that are able to get the victory over our, our, I'm sorry, our Lord, our host, is able to get the victory over the enemy. God will give us victory over those who would try to persecute us, those who are hostile toward us, those who are violent toward us, the Lord lifts up a standard and provides protection for us. We don't always see it, but God has angels. God has power. God has protectors. God has armament. God has his spirit that provides us protection and victory. Amen? I love this. I love this because the Bible says, the Bible says, do not be afraid of those who are with us, for there are more of those that are with us than that are with them. Let me repeat it. Verse 16 of 2 Kings 6 says, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those that are with them. Then Elijah prayed and said, Lord, open his eyes that he might see. Two things, and, and then by the way, it goes on down in verse 18. It says, So he struck them with blindness in accordance with the prayer of Elijah. So this concludes like this The Lord not only opened the eyes of his servant, he opens our eyes, but he also gives us the ability to know that there are more with us than there are with our enemies. That I don't care how bad things look right now. I don't care how dark the situation might be, everybody. We will prevail. God gives us victory. I love what the three Hebrew warriors said to the king. He said, dude, we're not going to bow down to these statues. Whether you throw us in a furnace or not, you can heat it up seven times hotter. You can heat it up 70 times hotter. We're not bowing down. Our Lord may not choose to deliver us, 
He may not choose to keep the flames from us, but either way, we're not bowing. Because greater are he is he that is with us than he that is with you, King Nebuchadnezzar. We're not bowing. Read the whole encounters in Daniel 3. I love the beautiful thing about it. I don't know which one of them said it, if it was Shadrach, Meshach, or Abednego. Whichever one said it, they, maybe they all said it in concert. He said, we know that he will deliver us, O king. We're not even careful to answer you. That's translated in English. We're not even going to debate this. We're not even going to argue this with you, guy. We're not even going to have any conversation. We want you to know that our answer is solid, it's final, and it's all we have to say about it. We're not bowing, and we know that he's going to deliver us, whether he deliver us in the flames or whether he deliver us through the flames. And the Bible says that the flames did not touch them. You know the rest of the story. What impresses me, and I've shared this with you guys before, what impresses me as the guy was only a teenager. These guys were only teenagers. Not only were they only teenagers, their parents weren't there, probably perished or in captivity. So these guys are doing this on their own. So the next time you have something negative to say about a teenager, think about it, that they might be like one of these three Hebrew boys. Don't throw all the bath babies out with the bathwater. God has some teenagers, some millennials, some Gen Xers, some young people that are standing for the name of Jesus. Don't give up on your kids. Don't give up on your grandkids. Don't give up on your nieces and nephews. I don't care how dark it may seem, how buried into this world they may seem to be. Don't give up on them because God can make them light. As Charlie's saying, this little light of mine, you don't know what light is in them that God will bring and multiply and magnify and exalt and salt and make strong in the life of that young teenager. So don't give up on them. These three boys said, hey, we are not going to be short about our answer. We're not going to even debate this answer. We trust in the Lord and he will deliver us. But if he doesn't, we still will not bow. That has to be our prayer, guys. We have to have the attitude that, Lord, it doesn't matter what happens out here in these streets. It was our lesson this morning about social justice, really a lack thereof, social injustice that we go through, especially as minorities, that we are not going to bow to the pressure of the world, whether we succeed monetarily or not. We are not going to sell our souls for justice. We are, our souls belong to the Lord Jesus. And if the Lord chooses to deliver us from racism and sexism and, 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 and ageism and all the other isms, if he chooses to deliver us, that's fine. But if he chooses that we go through this, then we will go through it in Jesus' name. And we will prevail. We will prevail. Amen? We have to start making our lives. Listen, if we're... If we're going to call ourselves a believer, then we got to start making our lives about believing. We got to start making our lives about the word. Our lives have to be about Jesus. That is the power in our lives that can change us. Amen? Do you all really believe that? I'm, hey, the Bible says that if we don't praise him, that the rocks will cry out. He'll raise up somebody. He'll raise up rocks. He'll raise up young people. 
He'll raise up teenagers. He'll raise us. He'll raise up people from the street that we wouldn't even think would ever become believers and bring them in and save them and make them bold and powerful in the work in the name of the Lord. Amen. So let's just be encouraged. Let's be encouraged to know that God got us. He has our backs. He, he loves us. He is patient according to Lamentations 3. And he will not desert us. He will not leave us nor forsake us. Amen. I'm going to ask Ella Rod to come. And Justin, will you just help Ella Rod with our elements as we prepare for the Lord's table? And while we're preparing the Lord's table, please, you at home, prepare the Lord your elements for our table uh, for communion time. And as the elders are coming, Sister Marie, would you just sing a song for us? We got a request that Sister Marie sings a song. You feel like singing it right now, Sister Marie? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> 